This is an ABC podcast. Hey ladies, it's Cass Steith here. I'm the supervising producer of Ladies and I've largely been in the background of this podcast. <laughs> it's being good friends more than laughing at <laughs> Something you probably yeah, don't okay, know is Yumi Stein's the host <laughs> of this podcast. Well, she and I are living together at the moment and we're good friends. How's it going with Chris? Yeah, good. Um, we FaceTimed last night. He read me an erotic story. <laughs> Do you picture yourselves as, as the characters? Or does it not matter? No. It's so Yumi and I exercise together most mornings at dawn and our lives are actually really different. Yumi's got a bunch of kids and a husband. And I'm 30 and single. So Cass, the thing is, if we weren't in ISO, you'd have a much better idea of, like, a market of the, you know, what's out there. So imagine we're not in ISO. How serious would you be about hitching your wagon to his? Yeah, I, I know. It's something that I think about all the time. What I've noticed in my friendship circle is that since coronavirus started... There's been marriage proposals, pregnancies, people have moved in together. There's been this kind of acceleration of romance. So is it really love? A love in a time of coronavirus is about company. To not be alone. It just means a new way. To me, really, it's kind of a little bit exciting. A feeling of hopefulness and something to look forward to at the end of all of this. My heart's so very full of love and awe with my beautiful three-month-old son. Looking at the relationship I have with myself and realising that it's not just enough to be a really good friend and to be a really good daughter and to be a really good sissy. You have to be really kind to yourself. I don't think that's something I've always done very well. I need to move my microphone. Me? Yeah. I can't hear you if you're talking to me. Yeah, I can now. Okay, to set this up, as you know, Yumi, yes. I've been single for a while now. And at the very beginning of coronavirus, I met this guy, Chris. Our first corona kiss. Mm-hmm. We'd spent the day together. We'd been surfing, mm. laying on the beach together. The surf is fun. <laughs> Water washes the coronavirus straight off. So. <laughs> By then, you were very much like, well, we spent all day together. We're next to each other in the car. If one of us has it, we've got it. We're kissing. Quote, end quote. Oh, Cass. <laughs> so you exchanged germs there in the car. We did. <laughs> and you've been there from the very beginning, right? Yeah, I have. I've been talking to my mum about him. He listens and... Um, there are no red flags in your relationship? Not really. Well, there you go. Love conquers all. <laughs> True. <laughs> anyway, i got to go. Love you. Bye. 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 Your mum is such a cat. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> so starting a relationship with someone during a pandemic mm. is kind of a weird process because if I'm frank all of a sudden your options kind of dry up 
So before lockdown, Yumi, Chris and I had met just a handful of times. And when coronavirus hit, we're in separate ISOs. Mm. But the whole thing has kind of brought us closer together because we've had heaps of texting, nightly FaceTime debriefs. And when I felt really crap and panicky, he's been the other person on the end of the phone just to listen and Mm. to support me. But the thing is, before coronavirus, we really didn't know each other that well. I think things between us started to escalate just prior to the pandemic. You know, seeing you has been the one thing I have done. So in some ways that, you know, that's kind of amplified things. And I've been thinking about you a lot. And yeah, removing kind of everything else just, you know, lets you focus on, you know, you. Yeah, it kind of does escalate things a little. <laughs> You've kind of got this heightened extra you because A, you got nobody else to talk to, really, because you're in isolation, and B, everybody's scared. But the thing is, Cass, I don't think you were the only one experiencing it in that way. Not at all. There have been heaps of other people in this position as well. We're just both so eager to see each other that either one of us will be on the first flight out of the country to see each other, whether that is New York or, or Melbourne. This is Danny. I've given her a different name for this episode. So she's been single for a couple of years now and she's done a bunch of really unsuccessful online dating and she was about to quit when, as a reaction to coronavirus, her dating app actually changed who you could talk to. So all of a sudden it wasn't just people in your immediate vicinity that you could match with. It was anyone in the whole world. I'm going to see what the world has to offer me. So I started looking around London, Milan, and ended up in New York. And this guy came on my screen, super cute, really cheeky smile, grey hair, bit of a silver fox. But I didn't really think anything of it. I just thought, you know, we'll have a few chats. This is funny and whatever. And then we went on a Zoom video chat. There was something about the video format that made him come alive. When I saw his smile, I just kind of melted a little bit because it just takes up his whole face. I just felt something from across the screen. Oh, sorry, I need to take a bit of a break. (laughs) I need some water. So you have this first Zoom date and you're kind of floored by this guy. Yeah, totally unexpected. Since then... We've spoken every single day, at least once, if not two or three times a day for quite a few hours. We spend time together reading. He reads to me and we play games like Connect Four or quizzes on love languages or how well do you know your partner. We just get to know each other in a way that's really different and far more in depth to like a normal date. I asked Annie to record a snippet of her and her boyfriend chatting. (laughs) So she sent through a quiz that they did together. Do you want to read it this time? Yeah, okay. When someone special to you is emotional and going through something difficult, your first instinct is to tell them how strong they are as a person and remind them of all of their wonderful qualities. Sit down with them and ask them all about the problem to offer a listening ear and a loving heart to buy them something special that you know will cheer them up, offer to take them out to do something fun that will get their mind off things, to offer them a big warm hug and a shoulder to cry on. Okay. 
I know what it's certainly not. <laughs> I know which one it's certainly not for you. Okay. okay well, yeah. What is it not? It's not buy them something special that you know will cheer them up. Yeah. <laughs> Big time. <laughs> Big time, not that. Yeah. I feel like for you, it's number two. Sit down with them and ask them all about the problem to offer a listening ear and a loving heart. Yeah, that, that sounds really nice. Yeah. You know what this makes me think of, Cass? <laughs> well, they've just got an orgy of spare time. Yeah, yeah. In real life, we don't have that much time. Yeah, it's true. And as ISO starting to, you know, finish, is it going to be the same? Who knows? I mean, totally not. Obviously not. We're getting kind of a glimpse into them getting to know each other, right? Yeah. And their relationship's developing in quite an exciting way because they're connecting in a creative kind of way. They're also having cyber sex, which isn't something she ever thought she'd do, but she's also being realistic about it. It's totally a reality that we do meet and we're actually, you know, not attracted to each other or not compatible or it just doesn't work. But Right now, this is bringing me this sense of hope, a connectedness, an intimacy, a realness and a goodness that I may not have had otherwise. If that's what we can both give to each other as a gift through all of this, then I think that's a beautiful thing. Do you ever question whether or not your feelings are real? Yeah. I mean, it is something that crosses my mind a lot. I just don't think that there is a right and a wrong way to move through this time, you know, in a romantic relationship. I just come back to how I feel in my body, you know, when we're about to talk. I get butterflies. I'm super excited. That's real. So to me, that's all I need to know. You've obviously got that new relationship energy and there's a lot of excitement that you know, I can hear in your voice and it's delightful to listen to. What's your vibe on whether or not you think the relationship will last? Neither of us really have a doubt that it won't work just because of how much time we've spent together and how much we've gotten to know each other. It just feels really real and true. And I think it's going to work. So <laughs> keep your fingers crossed for me. It's been a little while since we first recorded with Danny. Hi. Hi, how are you going? Hello, I'm good. So Sorry, I gave her a ring to see where things are at. Yeah, I think it has shifted a little bit. There was a lot more kind of fantasising about what the future could look like. And, yeah, we're being hit with a bit of a harsh reality. So, I mean, my feelings for him haven't changed. I don't think his feelings for me have changed. But I think that excitement about the potential of visiting each other and stuff has kind of dropped off a bit just just because of what we're seeing in the media and the likelihood that international travel is going to be off for a long time. So I don't really know what this is going to look like in six months' time. Who knows? But still really nice to get to know him and connect in a way that's not physical for now. Yeah. So a little shift. She seems a bit deflated, doesn't she? Yeah. And yeah. I, I think the reality of international travel being off for some time is obviously a sobering thought. And heaps of other people are in this situation where you're separated by a vast distance from someone that you love and it mm. sucks. So I, I think the trick is to know, you know, whether it's real. 
whether you do actually like each other or are people panic buying partners like we were all panic buying toilet paper at the beginning? <laughs> I know, right? Now, I don't think I'm doing that with Chris, but this is what a psych has to say. Yeah, I think a lot of single people are accelerating romance more broadly simply because they've got more time in isolation to think about romance and falling in love and that sort of thing. And online dating is at the fingertips, so it's quite easy, an easy thing to do. That's Madeline Mason Roantree. She's a dating psychologist based in the UK. And she says a lot of single people are feeling lonely, which is naturally driving them to partner up. <laughs> well, I think we can trust our gut instincts, but I don't know if we can trust our emotions necessarily. So what can happen, especially in online dating and, and dating somebody you haven't met, our brains are very good at filling in the gaps. For those of us that are romantically inclined, we'll fall in love with this idea of this person without fully knowing everything about them. There is this potential danger that we will fill in the gaps of the bits that we don't know and think how wow, fantastic this person is and fall in love with that only to be hugely disappointed when we meet them in real life. There's that little caveat, I guess, is that lockdown, COVID-19 is a bit of a hyper-reality. People are feeling a bit stressed and vulnerable and I suppose a little unsure about what the future looks like to a, to a large extent. What can happen between two people when you share in some of those feelings together? So I think sharing feelings is a really powerful way of getting to know somebody else. So if you imagine communication can be at two levels, one is almost transactional. I will say something and you will return that something. I might say it's a nice day and you might say, yes, it's a wonderful day. It's quite boring. It's transactional. It's not really, it doesn't really move anything. You get into the more sort of emotional connection and that's when you start sharing your feelings and your hopes and dreams and the things that you're worried about. When you start talking in that sort of emotive language, that's when the connection happens, that when the when, when fuzziness appears, you know, if you have those romantic butterfly feelings, that's when you get to that space of actually becoming vulnerable. I had a really difficult day today. Sort of starting to share your feelings helps the other person also to engage and connect with you. So it's really important to actually get to that stage in conversation of sharing your feelings. I was reading about the misattribution of arousal where basically people mistake emotion or physical stimulation, i.e. the charge that we're feeling from the global pandemic, where you mistake those feelings for romantic feelings. Do you think that any of that is going on at the moment with coronavirus? That's a really good point. I think there's a huge possibility that the stress that you're feeling, you misattribute to feelings of romance. That can definitely happen. I'm not saying that happens to everyone, but it's certainly a possibility. First, the question is, well, how can I tell whether I'm falling in love or whether it's because I'm stressed? That's a difficult question to answer, I suppose, in the moment. And maybe it's only in hindsight, once the lockdowns come down, that you realise, actually, I was just stressed and, and I'm just putting it onto this other person. And that's the danger, I suppose, with, with dating in a, in a particularly different context that we get together because of the context and then when that context is now gone then almost the scaffolding if you will for that relationship falls away you may find that coming out of this there will be a you know a portion of people who are experiencing oh this wasn't exactly what I thought it or imagined it to be so in that sense your emotions can I guess pull the wool over your eyes a little bit it's not to say that your gut instinct is is different so your gut instinct is one thing but your emotions is something else Wow. Cass, does that make you worry a little bit? <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me this. <laughs> of course it makes me worry a little bit. Um, 
You know, because coronavirus has made a lot of us feel really lonely, particularly if you're single. And it's not just any kind of loneliness. It's that loneliness where you feel really cold and a little bit useless and almost like a chucked out piece of a jigsaw puzzle. (laughs) So I guess the question that I have is from that state, can you be trusted to make a rational decision about your love life? I think it just it made me very reflective of the choices that I've made and I guess why I'm in the position that I'm in now. This is Lisa. She's 37 and about six months ago she broke up with her partner of seven years. She says coronavirus really made her question whether breaking up was the right decision. I think it's been quite confronting trying to think about how on earth I would cross paths with somebody else again, not knowing really when this is going to end or what the out is. It's even visible when you go out into the world at the moment. Everyone kind of recoils away from each other. My friends are behaving that way because we've had this instilled in us. I don't understand how anybody would feel comfortable to engage with someone they didn't know or go up, how do you go up and talk to somebody? There's this real barrier now, physical barrier between crossing paths or meeting somebody that you didn't know already. I wouldn't want to be making somebody else feel uncomfortable. And I think that's the tricky thing right now. Trying to navigate that, how do you even know how somebody might respond is also quite a lot to deal with, I think. Have you felt lonely through coronavirus? Absolutely. I think um, the pendulum has swung quite a lot from day to day and week to week throughout this. I live alone. I don't have any family in the state that I live in, so I wasn't really permitted to see anybody. And so there were definitely moments of loneliness and, you know, for somebody that's not usually much of a hugger, thinking a lot about never turning a hug down ever again. (laughs) Fair, right? (laughs) (laughs) So, Lisa, you broke up with your long-term partner of about seven years not too long ago. Did coronavirus make you reflect on the decision to break up? Was there a moment where you're like, oh, should I have done that? Definitely. I think it kind of puts everything into perspective, every relationship our physical relationships, our emotional relationships. And it definitely made me sit and really think about the decision that I had made and if it were the right one. I'm ultimately sure that it was the right decision, but there definitely was perhaps a a kind of regret or reassessment there that definitely wasn't there before. I think we all have our good days and our bad days with coronavirus and you often sort of don't really know which insecurity might pop up day to day. On your more optimistic days, Lisa, what do you think about your love life and your future in that respect? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, as quickly as something like COVID took over the world and turned it on, on its head, somebody could come into my life and do the same. I guess I'm just looking at the possibility in that possibility in the same way. That's a great way of looking at it, right? Yeah. (laughs) It's a little bit like love. What about on the bad days, Lisa? Where does your mind drift? (laughs) On the bad days, my mind goes to maybe having to, you know, reset where I see myself and what I see myself doing. And I always imagined that I would have a partner with me and I would share experiences of travel and 
you know, maybe sharing a home or just going through everyday life, sharing it with somebody. And that may not be the case now. And that's hard, I think. Is there anything you'd like to say to single women who are out there navigating coronavirus on their own as well? Don't buy into this idea that partnership and support comes only in one form. I've had such incredible support from my friends, from my my workmates, my employer, my family. It's just as enriching and it's just as wonderful. I think just, yeah, take the blinkers off to just expecting all of those wonderful things just to come from one person. I, I love Lisa. I really I know. She's, she's so, so great. But I th- sort of agree with her. Like I learned from coronavirus, Cass, having you living with us has been so great because it's like I don't want to have to talk to my stupid partner about this stuff. I want to talk to Cass. She's way better at understanding. I love you, Marty. (laughs) You're a patient man. But I do think it takes a village. You know how they say that, you know, you can't get everything from one person. You do have to outsource. And it's really helped me understand what a gift friendship is. Yeah. Totally. I mean, without our friendship, I'd be a miserable little bastard for sure (laughs) right now, living in some grimy share house (laughs) with no sense of real soulful connection. Yeah, friendship is everything. And Lisa's totally on the money. And of course, you know, she talks about the pendulum swinging between loneliness and then sort of that feeling of empowerment. She, She does feel those moments where she's like, oh, crap, maybe I made the wrong decision breaking up with my partner, but ultimately knowing at the same time it was the right decision for her to make. Now I want you to meet someone who we've met before. Coronavirus has forced my affair to go further underground than it already was. So we speak a lot less, we text less, and there's almost no contact. This is Megan. We've changed her name and altered her voice for this episode. And you interviewed her back in 2018, Yumi. Yeah, yeah. So Megan was in the Women Who Cheat episode. She was having an affair with a married man and they got to see each other almost every day. So over the years, I've kept in touch with Megan. And when coronavirus hit, I was desperate to know what was happening with her affair. Because we're working from home, the daily contact, the text messages and the phone calls that would have happened in work hours can't happen. And, you know, there's no commute, so there's no text messages or phone calls during commuting time, and there's no catch-ups for lunch. Yeah, it's, it's impacted it a lot. Have you seen each other since coronavirus started? Uh, yes, yeah, so we, we've caught up a couple of times uh, face-to-face. And have you had sex together? Uh, once. Do you mind me asking the circumstances, how it happened? He came to my place uh, under the guise of having to go somewhere else for a short time. How risky did it feel? It's strange because, you know, it's in this sort of relationship, like, you know, everything feels very heightened anyway. This time it felt particularly end of the world, last day on earth kind of (laughs) interaction, which was both sort of exciting and sad because I don't know when... I'll see him again. I imagine the sex itself was quite erotic considering the circumstances. It definitely, definitely was. <laughs> it just had that that kind of, you know, 
action movie kind of, you know, when people are falling in love and the, you know, like a meteor's about to strike Earth or something, something very, it was very dramatic, but also sadness, like you, you're kind of grieving at the same time for all the time you've lost. So since then, have you had much contact? There's the occasional text message, the occasional phone call when time permits, but it doesn't mean that either one of us have detached from each other at all. It's the communication that's changed rather than the way we feel about each other. Can you dig in a little bit, Megan, and tell me what some of those feelings of loneliness have felt like? You know, on social media where you see people with their partner and they talk about isolation and they get to experience, you know, this new uh, locked-in world with someone else, I get pangs of loneliness then, not having a significant other. In those moments when I don't have my children around or it's been a long day or it's where I just want to, you know, cuddle up on the couch with someone. I, I miss, I miss him in those moments. Wow. I, I feel like for Megan, I so exposed the sacrifices that she's made to love a married man. And I think she also highlights something around the competition that people feel with each other's ISO setups. You know, she has longingly looked at other people's setups mm. with their partner and thought, crap, I'd love that. She's grappling with that and yeah. it's, you know, she's in a tough spot. I've seen a lot of footage of people's cats. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Cass, did you do that? Did you compare your setup with others and find yours wanting? A little bit. Like, I mean, I was really grateful to have you and the kids and I think it's highlighted how lovely it is to have a family around you at this moment. But, you know, a lot of people settle down in their gorgeous apartments with their beautiful mid-century furniture and their <laughs> Indigenous artwork on the wall and their beautiful Monsteras. You know, there's so much. To Who are these people? <laughs> my bastard friends. You know, there's, there's so many ways that you can compare yourself to, to others right now. Not all love is romantic love, though. I want you to meet Kate. Oh. Morning, mister. How old are you now? Oh, three months. Was that your answer? <laughs> Kate's a single mum and she gave birth to Gabrielle about a month before lockdown. This might sound corny, but I truly feel like he's my buddy already. We have a good time and I think we would have had that, but with it, 90% being one-on-one, -on -one, he and I, it's really hiding that in the most wonderful way. I take a moment to be grateful for this truly every day that he was born before the peak of all this. I was able to have visitors at the hospital. And another reason I'm quite grateful is that I think the anxiety for me would have been higher if I was pregnant and living through this. So I've been able to hole up in my safe house whilst this is happening. The biggest thing I'm grateful for is uh, my baby is donor conceived. And if this all had have been happening last year or I was doing fertility treatment this year, it would have been paused. I'm just so grateful that I didn't also have to experience that. And my heart goes out to the individual women and couples who are now facing that this year. And I hope that that can change for them really soon. 
Now, Kate, you're doing this on your own. You don't have a partner there with you, sort of cheering you on or, or helping out with little Gabriel. What does love in the time of Corona look like for you? It looks like a very happy little boy. Uh, my heart is so full. And while I've definitely experienced love before, this is a very different love. While there's not the romantic partner to love, I feel very sustained in the, the joy he gives me. It's a beautiful bonded love and it's unconditional. Oh, so cute. <laughs> the sound of him gurgling is the best sound. It's so, it's so funny that we're hearing from her, Cass, because this whole lockdown period I've craved to cuddle a newborn baby. Mm. I don't know why, but I've, I'm craving the smallness of their body in my arms and the smell of their heads, and I think just being able to sit with that physical affection for a long time because, you know, babies can't get away. <laughs> they can't push you <laughs> <They're> off. <trapped. laughs> so you could just hug them for as long as you want. It's really yeah. delicious. I just love the fact you're looking for more children. No, no, no. I'm really not. I'm not. I've got enough. And I guess what's really nice about Kate's story is that her kid does symbolise a little bit of hope. Yeah. Hope is what we need right now. And speaking of hope, what's going on with you and Chris? (laughs) Well, I don't know. I'm embarrassed. You're going red. (laughs) Things are going really nicely. Yeah. Unexpected. It's probably the word I'd use didn't expect to feel like this so quickly. The last few days, I've kind of fallen in love with you. Pretty awesome, (laughs) if I had to summarise it. Do you think at this point coronavirus has anything to do with this? Nope. Absolutely not. (laughs) Absolutely not. What about you? How are you feeling about us? (laughs) I feel the same way. I think in the beginning I was a bit like, can I trust my feelings? Is this real? What's going on? But I think it's shifted. It has. All right. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. I just got teary. It's more whispering than we've ever had on this podcast, Cass. I know, I feel super exposed. Yeah, well, a lot of people come on this podcast and expose themselves, so I guess you're doing the same thing. Yeah, it's only fair, actually. It's a good point. Thanks for your honesty. That's all right. I guess I feel a little safe. (laughs) A little safe. A little bit safe here. I hope if you guys do work it out and you get married, you name one of your kids Yumi or ladies we need to talk (laughs) That makes heaps of sense. (laughs) And we do a live broadcast of the wedding, okay, (laughs) if possible. Love it. All right, is it time to read the credits? Yeah, who should do it? Probably you. No, it's awkward. All right, how about we do line for line? All right, okay, cool. Okay, you can find Ladies We Need to Talk on a podcast app or on the ABC Listen app. Ladies is mixed by Anne-Marie de Betancourt. Supervising producer is me, Cassandra Steve. And our executive producer is Justin Kelly. This series was created by Claudine Ryan. And the manager of Audio Studios is Kelly Reardon. That was like a bought one. (laughs) Hey, ladies, look, before you go, you should totally check out an episode we've done all about erotic literature. Speaking from personal experience, it can really bring a couple together. You can find it on the ABC Listen app or on podcast apps like Apple and Google.